social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Everybody. This is Sima Lieberman, The Inclusionist, with everyday conversations on race for everyday people. If you have ever wanted to have a conversation about race, but were, if you, if you have just corporate. Hi, everybody. This is Sima Lieberman, The Inclusionist, with everyday conversations on race, where we bring people together across differences to talk about race and other differences and show people that it can be done. If you'd like what you hear today, please go to www.raceconvo.com and hear more of our episodes. If you really like what you hear today, and we really want to make this a much bigger podcast because we think our message is really important, then please pass pass this information and send it out to all of your friends, family, colleagues, anybody you ever met in the whole wide world. And if you really like what we're saying and you really want to pass a message about bringing people together, eliminating fear and eliminating hate and stopping racism and sharing love, then please go to our website, www.raceconvo.com, Convo Like Conversation, and make a small donation or make a large donation. So I have a great guest coming in today, but he's not here yet. So several people, I, I've gotten questions from different people the last couple of weeks about race convo, about how to have the conversation about race. So I thought I'd like to share that with you about why I want to have the show. I want to have the show because first, I want to eliminate fear. I want to eliminate hate, of which there's way too much of. And I know that so many people tell me that they want to have a conversation about race, but they really don't know how to have one. Either they think that they're not going to be listened to, that they're going to be trivialized, that people aren't going to believe them, or that they're afraid of saying the wrong thing and they don't want to be attacked, they don't want to offend anybody. So this podcast is for you if you're one of those people. Or if you know people who have that fear, this podcast is still for you. And if you know anybody who, ha- who would like to be a guest or you would like to be a guest, please contact me at Sima at SimaLieberman.com. Now, many of us have been hearing or reading about people like Target Tammy and Bake Sale Betty and all of these people who happen to be white people calling the police on people of color who happen to be mostly black, but not always. And this is almost like 
it's, it's getting contagious. Now, I know that this has always been happening. I know for people of color that this is nothing new. But for a lot of other people who don't know what's going on, it is new and people need to know about that, even though it's not new, of course. So I want to look at why is that happening? Why do people feel that they have the right to just call the police on somebody for, I don't know, chewing too loud in the street, blowing your nose, walking with your hands in your in your pockets. I just read one thing I think was about um was in the these two women at Target were talking, two black women were talking uh about a show about a movie they had seen. They were talking about Eartha Kitt and one person made a comment about uh how sexy Eartha Kitt was in uh a movie and some white woman overheard what was going on, and she started yelling at them for having sex in public. Okay, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. I can't figure that out. That's just crazy. But she started yelling at them and telling them that that's what you people do. So they called the manager. They went to get some help. And this woman was saying, yeah, you people are liars. You're trained to lie, and this is going to be great in court. And thankfully, the manager came and the manager kicked this woman out. But I want to talk about this mindset. You know, I don't talk all day about white privilege because I want to relate to get as many people involved as possible in the race convo. And sometimes when we only start talking about white privilege, it freaks people out. Now, I'm not saying you don't want to freak people out, but I really want to see some change. So sometimes I think, we could, let's talk about white privilege, but let's talk about it. Let's, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's first get people talking to each other. But, and I know there's different levels of white privilege, but this, to me, is a really glaring example when we have all these white people calling the police on people of color, mostly black people, and think that they have a right to do it. It's like they have, it's kind of like all the white people. And when I say all the white people, I don't mean everybody. I'm not disparaging because I'm a white, I'm a white Jewish person. So I'm not disparaging all white people. But I'm saying that there is a mindset where people think that they almost own people of color. And in particular, they think that they own black people which gives them the right to decide how people are supposed to be behaving. And if they don't behave a certain way, then either they get scared or they feel threatened or they feel like they want to report it to the police. Now, I want to say something to any of you people, in particular white people, if you feel that way, that you need to call the police on somebody for, I don't know, selling lemonade because you think that they're not licensed, whatever it is. If you're one, if you're one of those people, I want you to think that you actually may be contributing to the death of whoever it is you're calling the police on. You know, this ain't playing. This is not like, hey, I'm calling the police to get back at you because you broke up with me and, and all of that and we're both white and, and nothing's going to happen to you. You know, you'll feel harassed. No, when you call the police on a black person or person of color, the odds go up of that person either being put in jail, put in prison, being locked up, or worse, 
getting killed. And then what ends up happening is then maybe even if that case goes to trial, if they say, okay, you committed murder, but then the person uses what I call the fear of the black planet defense. When they use that defense, what ends up happening is they go, oh, I was really scared. So then the jury, which will be mostly white, will say, oh yeah, I'd be scared too. Not guilty. So first, we need to look at where does it start? It starts at when, I mean, there's a whole lot of places where it starts, but let's look at what you could control. Because, I mean, you can't control the police department. You can't control if you have a biased cop or a non-biased cop. And I'm not saying all cops are biased either, but I'm saying that when this happens, it, there's a, a chain of events that starts. And it starts with that phone call. It starts that you're outraged because you think that this person of color has no right to either be barbecuing or even playing with a toy gun or having no right to do something that if you were to do it, nothing would happen to you. But you decide that they have no right to do it. And even instead of even, I mean, you could be obnoxious and go up and say something stupid to somebody, um, but you don't even go to that length. You immediately go to, oh, I'm calling the police. And it's almost like an ownership thing. You don't own these people. You don't have a right to be able to, to just call the police on people of color. Because when you do that, remember, you're putting somebody's, you're putting somebody's life in danger. So I would like you to hit me up. I'd like you to hit me up at Sima at SimmaLieberman.com. And if you see anything like this going on, I'd like you to call, to call me or, I mean, to, to email me and let me know about it so I could talk about it on the show. So right now, I'm going to take a break. Oh, two minutes. And in and and the second, we're going to take a two-minute break. I think one of my guests has arrived. And... Um, We'll be starting in a minute. You know, I'm hoping that through this show, if I could stop one white person from calling the police on one person of color or one black person, I'm hoping that I will have done some good. I'm hoping I could at least save somebody's life. So before you're running off, I'm not saying you, I don't mean all of you, but so I'm going to, we're going to take a, a break right now. Play some music while I check and see if this is my guest.
everyone, this is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist, with Everyday Conversations on Race for Everyday People, and we're back. Hope you enjoyed the music. And I have actually two guests today, and I'm going to introduce my first guest, waiting for the second guest. That's cool. There's so much traffic out there. It's just been horrible. Um, so my guest that I'm going to introduce right now is Alessandra Stevens, who is a student at uh, San Francisco City College, and, she, and, and, and Alessandra studies psychology and LGBTQ plus studies at City College at San Francisco. They're also the youth editor for uh, MXD Magazine, in which they capture queer youth culture, queer youth people of color voices by following artistic and social political movements that young people, particularly Generation Z, is doing for social change. So, hey, Alessandra, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. It's so nice to meet you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you. I'm so glad that you're here. Traffic was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah, I grew up in Pacifica, and I still live in Pacifica. So commuting to the city is sometimes easy, but in the earlier hours, it gets difficult. You know, it's weird. I was in India. I was in Bombay, and it could take like an hour and a half to go. I don't know, five miles, but. I got used to it, and I just know when I'm in L.A., I just know it's going to take me an hour to go maybe 10 miles, but I still haven't gotten used to all the extra, uh, haven't gotten used to all the extra traffic in the Bay Area. I don't know. I guess I'm resistant to change, and I keep on thinking that it's going to be like it was 30 years ago, but that ain't happening. So... You know, this this uh, show is Everyday Conversations on Race for Everyday People, where we bring people together across differences to have comfortable conversations about ra race and show people that it can be done. Tell me a little bit about you. Tell me, because people can't see, you know, like people who know me know, or you, they can take a look and, and see me, that I'm a white Jewish woman, baby boomer, I'm a lesbian. Uh, could you say a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your demographics, because since people can't see you. I am a lesbian woman, uh, half Filipino, half white, uh, non-binary woman of color. And uh, I grew up in a kind of middle class town. So uh, for my demographic, it was uh, people kind of grew up with the same income as me. But the, uh, at the sc high school I went to, the uh, people were predominantly white. So it was interesting growing up with that kind of demographic. I didn't really get to be in touch with people my age uh, of half or of Filipino descent. So as I go into City College, I just have a lot more resources where I can be my my queer self and um, also be uh, get more in touch with my uh, racial side. So do you think it's important for us to have conversations about race? Yeah, it's super important because it's such a big aspect of everywhere in the world. And um, I think it's such a big conflict as well. And every single part of racism is such a deep, uh, deep, conversation to have it's such a like ingrained in our in our community even in the bay area when people think like oh the bay area is really progressive like there are still issues of fetishization and um gentrification so that that the youth kind of are tackling right now and a lot of times too we're seeing uh def definitely uh, movements for, by people of 
color in different organizations. So one I enjoyed participa- participating in high school was Youth Speaks. Oh, you participated in Youth Speaks. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I uh, wrote a lot of stuff about um, mainly mental illness and what it is for a person of color to grow up with a mental illness. Do you know, did you ever meet Jada Imani by any chance? Oh, I don't believe I have. Oh, because she was from, she works with Youth Speaks and she was on our show a few shows ago. She's a, she's an up and coming, rising hip hop and spoken word star. In my opinion, she's she's already a star, but she's going to be even more of a star. So I know Youth Speaks has been really great for a lot of young people, particularly young people of color, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the magazine. And how you got involved in the magazine. And people don't even know the name of the magazine. So anything you could say, just lay it on us. So I, I got into the magazine because I was part of a sobriety com- uh, community. And uh, I met up with uh, members in that community. And we decided uh, we, that it would be great to create a magazine. And I wasn't really sure what my part would be since I didn't have that much editorial experience. But uh, I do have a passion for like capturing youth voices of color. So I, I uh, asked Powie, I was like, oh, like, do you think you have any spaces in the magazine he was like yeah like go ahead like come join like and I've just been participating ever since and uh I'm I'm I joined for uh I'm gonna be my uh articles are gonna be in the fourth issue of the magazine but I just kind of joined around the third issue wow that is so cool so you're part of a sobriety committee uh, sobriety community yeah that's great. I have 34. I'm, I've been clean sober 34 years. Wow. Yeah. So, see, I didn't even, and I did not even know that. That's so cool to know. Wow. And so a lot of the people on the magazine are also clean and sober, too? Yeah. Wow. That's really great. And um, so you, how many issues have come out already? Uh, the one that's coming out in December is our third issue. Wow. I mean, it looks... It looks really great. It looks. It, it looks. It, I mean, I've seen. I've seen the magazine, and it is so well done. I mean, it's it, it it's it's slick, and I say that in a really good way. So, what is the purpose exactly of the magazine in terms of of people of color? Tell. Could you explain that? Well, the well, at least what I have gathered from what I've seen the magazine do is it kind of create. It's supposed to talk about the solidarity between uh, people of color and like acknowledging how important each community is and acknowledging how uh, we can better society by. Uh, participating in the solidarity getting to understand each culture's uh, uh, and either forms of oppression or their uh, move their current movements to make the world better like black lives matter and just being allies for each other's causes and that's kind of what the magazine is it's celebrating people of color and celebrating LGBTQ people of color? Yes, as well. Yeah, definitely. All the board members on the magazine are LGBTQ members. So, so, so that's like the, that's the audience. That's the target audience is LGBTQ. Yeah. And friends. Yeah. I, I always like to say and friends, you know, because I have a lot of friends who, who are big supporters. Uh, you know, I support them. They support me because uh, you got to support the people that you want to support you. Mm-hmm. So... 
I always believe in being like extremely, extremely inclusive. Uh, and I think what the magazine also does is, I think when I've learned, uh, from what I've learned in LGBTQ studies at school, is like intersectionality is a really big part of movement. So it's it's hard to, if you want to support the LGBTQ community, I feel like in order, you also should support social change and uh, s- social movements like uh, ableism, racial equality just things of the, those matters is it intersect we what our magazine does it is it practices intersectionality yeah because i think it's important that nobody's just one nobody's just one identity yeah i mean everybody like i, I was listening to this woman i mean she was cool i mean i i think there's so many ways of creating social change there's no one way but we know that we need to change it. And I oftentimes, or too often, hear people talk as though everybody is just like one identity. Like they'll say, well, all the LGBT community, I go, well, who? Trans, is that the same as the the gay men community? What about the transphobia in a lot of the LGB community? So does the magazine deal with any of that? Issues like around transphobia? Yeah, it deals with uh, what we're uh, trying to do is have as much diversity as possible. So uh, not just like gay, cis men, but also uh, trans women of color and uh, butch women, just all kinds of things. We're trying to capture uh, all of that in these next issues. Yeah, and a lot of times people don't think that you may be a trans person of color, and maybe you're 65 years old, that you might have some things in common with a white straight person who's also 65 years old, but you might have some things in common in terms of age and what you're dealing with. So I think that that's really important that I really believe in the importance of um, finding connections, like looking at people's multiple identities and finding connections. So. Tell me a little bit more, or, or what do you think about particular issue, issues pertaining to LGBTQ people of color, as opposed to the generic LGBTQ community? I think with the LGBTQ uh, community of color, uh, we don't really have that shield that white people do. Like, we don't really have uh, the privilege of uh, either being like, we either get fetishized or... What what does fetishized mean? It's like a sexualization of a community. So like mm-hmm. trans women or people of color. And um, that's kind of something that's definitely been on the rise lately when, as culture sexualizes people. And our magazine is sex positive, but we see it as something that's different and celebrating sex as uh, a part of the community rather than, oh, this person is like sexual, like this person has a really nice ass or like things like that that are kind of uh, thrown around. Around. And I say that 
we we don't have that same shield that white people do and uh we want to kind of create more uh solidarity and alliance so we can kind of build a shield around our our community as well to protect us from uh discrimination or just uh kind of ingra- uh, assimilating into society well one thing I've thought for years, and, and I've talked to, and I I had a show where I had uh, a Puerto Rican woman who's a lesbian, who's like my age, who's like close to 70, and then, and I had a, a, a man who was a gay man who's African American, and he's like 24, and I said, what's changed? Because our LGBTQ people of color still often invisible i think in uh communities they're starting to come up and rise and other and like in other movements as well like in uh, movements like um like uh environmental change like uh, a lot of community of color is and lgbtq community is starting to rise in congress and people that support uh things like that or uh, a lot of times are uh, people lgbtq voices are heard in uh gentrification like because people of color are the most uh targeted or the most affected group by gentrification so when you see, but still, when I hear people talk about LGBTQ, oftentimes they're talking about white LGBTQ. Yeah. So I think there's a level of invisibility that still needs to be dealt with. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And that's what our magazine does is we're trying to give the voices or make more visibility to people of color. Because we're uh, widespread in the Castro community, which tends to actually be mainly white men or white people of color. I mean, white LGBTQ people. (laughs) (laughs) White, uh, but... yeah, so our magazine, or as social media and other things try to give people of color more of a voice, it hopefully will bring more visibility because white visibility is definite. What is what's uh, overriding what our voices say? Yeah. So, oh, and I think I see what you're saying. So you're saying that oftentimes, um, when people think about LGBTQ people of color in the community that it's usually, that it tends to be more, well, especially in men, tends to be more around sex. Yeah. And so what you're really doing with the magazine is having people get heard, having a presence as full human beings in every way, and also create some interaction and solidarity between LGBTQ people of color of different backgrounds. Yeah, exactly. Because just because somebody's a person of color doesn't mean that they've had interactions with another per- another LGBT person of color from a different background. Yeah, yes. So you're actually continuing, you're actually having the race convo in the magazine. Definitely, yeah. That's what we, and with the LGBTQ lens. Okay. So, and how many issues have there been? Uh, our third issue is printing in December. Okay. I, I, actually, I wrote an article too. 
Oh, really? That's yeah. awesome. I actually ended up uh, modeling for the magazine before I joined because they were doing a segment on uh, Asian models. So I got a chance to try some modeling. It was pretty fun. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. And what about and what about the work that you do beyond the magazine? Because it sounds like you're active in other ways around issues related to race and, and people of color. So yeah, I am, am currently trying to build up uh, a really good resume for activism when it comes to joining. So right now I'm taking the psychology of gender and LGBTQ studies because a really big part of my life is also advocating for uh, mental health because I, it's something I've always struggled with. So um, I'm building that with psychology and with my psychology courses and then with um, my LGBTQ TQ uh, major. I also uh, have more of an understanding of how the community was created, or like learn things of, uh, about intersectionality and LGBTQ uh, people that I wouldn't have known if I didn't take that class. So right now, I'm just learning. But eventually, as I get my degree, I'll definitely be more out in the field. But I also um, what I also am uh, friends with a lot of people who have taught me uh, about their movements for social change. And I write poetry that I um, am currently trying to publish. I've been having some struggles with that. But um, as I uh, continue with my poetry, hopefully I can have my voice heard and my experience. Wow, that's really cool. That's really great. What do you think, you know, I, and I... Thinking about trans people of color, because I think that trans people of color have one of the highest risks of being targets of violence. No, yeah, that is very true. There's a really high uh, suicide rate, and it's definitely higher for uh, people of color who are trans as well. So how's the magazine addressing that? The magazine is addressing that by, um, we're definitely, as we continue on, we're going to have more articles about uh, how uh, trans lives are, how trans lives basically are really important in the San Francisco community and, and throughout the world and how much they have to offer to the world with their experiences. And uh, I definitely think that uh, trans tra trans youth and especially is super attacked, especially with all of these political things going on, like Title IX being or the proposal of Title IX being repealed, and other attacks that uh, the government has made so far towards uh, trans people. Our magazine tries to show, uh, shine light upon how uh, important these lives matter. What do you think needs to happen in within the LGBTQ community to deal with issues one of transphobia and two racism so first what do you think we can do as a community to deal with transphobia and I'm not just talking about transphobia outside the community I'm talking about transphobia inside you know, amongst LGB people who are transphobic too. 
Yeah, that's always been the struggle. It's also something I've definitely struggled with too because I identify as non-binary. So I've had people in the LGB community say like, oh, like you're non-binary, but you look super feminine. And like they don't ask me my pronouns and sometimes reject them when I say my pronouns are they, them. So uh, I I just definitely have experienced that uh, non-binary or GNC phobia and... I think uh, education is just everything that uh, the the only, the biggest thing that any uh, society can do to teach kids how um, important or like make people more aware of what it's like to be trans or what uh, trans people do for the racism community and. Um, uh, I think something we could do and what we seek to do with the magazine is just make uh, their voices more heard and um, so it's not just the white voices echoing and being visible. It's uh, educating uh, the importance of trans rights and also uh, also uh, we don't really politically state uh, his historical. We're working on it, but uh, we haven't really started uh, historical-based uh, art articles yet, but um, when we do. So when you say that you're non-binary, could you tell people who are listening, what, what do you mean by non-binary? Uh, non-binary is someone who feels like they don't either either uh, they don't fully identify as a cis woman or cis man so that that means there's an entire spectrum you can float wherever you want so you can uh, still identify as a non-binary woman or a non-binary man or a non-binary trans person and you, it, wherever you go, it, it, you get to decide if you're non-binary. And I think the misconception a lot of people have is, oh, non-binary people have to go by they, them pronouns. But uh, I learned recently that uh, it's okay to go by she, her pronouns if you're non-binary, depending on where you dis where you float on the spectrum or where you feel you are, because it's truly how you wish to identify. Yeah, you don't have to live up to other people's expectations of what a man is or a woman is. Yeah. Do, do your own thing and say, if you wanted to go, hey, I'm a woman, and yeah, and this is how I am, or I'm a man, and this is how I am, or I'm non-binary, and this is how I am. But there's also a difference, though, between you're non-binary, and and so you have to deal with things like people saying th things to you, right? Like, what does that mean? Or blah 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 blah. You look like a you look so feminine. On the other hand, what about somebody who's a trans person and they're walking down the street and somebody can see that they're a trans person, they've gotten to know that they're a trans person and they're victims of violence. So what do you think we as an LGBTQ community need to do? I think we definitely need to come together in solidarity, which sounds super cliche, like we're going to come together in solidarity, as like a lot of uh, white campaigns say, but really that's what um, we're trying to do is like uh, teach each other, like, or uh, I, as I've said, like how important trans lives are and also like 
the violence against trans people and violence anyways always has to do with a lack of education so the more we learn about trans people the more that curriculum is taught the more um, we'll start to understand about trans people and other and racism so our community can come together in intersectionality with this intersectionality lens well I have some more questions about that but I'm going to stop for a second because our next guest or our additional guest has just come in Howie, you know, I can't remember your last name. <laughs> Eulalia. 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 Hi, I'm so Good glad morning. to meet you. <laughs> you too. Thank you for having us. And so we're going to continue on with Powie. And like I started with, with Alessandra, Powie, can you introduce yourself to the people who are listening and just say a little bit about your demographics because people can't see you? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, well, Sima, thanks for having me again here in the show. Uh, so I'm Paui uh, Eulalia. I'm the publi- uh, publisher. Oh, my accent's coming out. <laughs> hey, go nice. right on ahead. We have a lot of accents. But yeah, you, you know, I, soon, soon after I wake up, usually I transition from a Tagalog accent to American accent. So it's to be expected. But anyway, um, yeah, so my name is Paui Eulalia. I'm the publisher of MXD Magazine. And um, I was born and raised in the Philippines. And um, I moved here in 2003. And um, yeah, since then, um, I've uh, uh, grown a career in... Uh, graphic design for TV, print, and uh, web. And uh, I've always wanted to have a magazine, uh, you know, that I would publish <clears throat> uh, about um, things that I'm passionate about. And it took me a long time before I realized that I guess um, my advocacies are my passion these days. And one of them definitely is um, racial equality and um hoping to end racism once and for all. So. Well, I'm so glad you're here. You know, and, and, and your headaches all, because I know you had a headache. I know, I did, a headache. I did. I get migraines, I too. Did. I hate them. I can't do anything when I have one. You know, the side effects of getting Botox for migraines is, you know, for somebody who's almost 21. You're not even 20? <laughs> 12. Oh, wow. I'm kidding. No, no, no. I'm, I'm almost 40, actually, but I do take oh, Botox. I was going to say, okay now. <laughs> So you're almost 40. So does that make you a millennial or oh, a, an no. Xer? I think I'm a, I'm Gen X. That's for Gen sure. Gen X. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, All right. my friend here is I think Gen Zero or something. Z. Right. Z. And what we were talking about? I, I was talking. So I wanted to talk. We were talking about the magazine and we were talking about LGBTQ, and I was talking about transphobia mm-hmm. within the LGBT community, and also racism, mm-hmm. and about trans, transphobia, transphobia, people who are trans people of color mm-hmm. are more likely to be victims of violence. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to recognize that. And I don't know if there's been enough recognition of that, because I think that some of it might be because there is transphobia in the LGBT community or Still, the LGBT. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your take on that? Well, you know, actually, it's funny you mentioned that um, I was binge watching lately um, while healing from the migraine <laughs> um, uh, on Ugly Betty. And there's this character there played by Rebecca Romaine who is uh, apparently the first trans character on television. And... Uh, and, you know, there were a lot of backlash out there about, like, why does a real woman or, you know, like, a cis woman 
playing trans characters, which is of course now relevant. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, uh, just to uh, go back to your question of how do I feel about trans issues these days, right? Um, well, you know, there's very little trans re uh, representation in the media right now, and as somebody who is, uh, well, I wouldn't say I'm. Uh, inexperienced with publishing or whatever, but somebody who is at least in publishing and trying to do something what is right um, to find um, racial, um, you know, to uh, to you know to achieve racial equality, um, I've been featuring a lot of trans folk actually on on the magazine, and I think it's the right thing to do right now because um, I I believe that we've been cultivated with what's sexy or what credible or what believable or what trustworthy is in the media, but only usually with cis men and cis women, uh, mostly white, um, in our community and. Um, even in the gay community, we kind of like resort into this like uh, uh, safe environment or safe media where uh, uh, cis men and cis women, masculine and feminine women, you know, uh, ma masculine men and feminine women as uh, imagery that for some reason we think will uh, help us gain respect, the respect that the LGBTQ community deserves. So, yeah. Um, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, yeah, we need to have more uh, trans people featured in the media so that, you know, there's more to the LGBTQ that we're branding ourselves as. Yeah, I mean, I think people are complex. I think that we all have multiple identities, and that's really complex. Mm -hmm. Racism is not complex in terms of... And what I, what I mean by it that... It shouldn't be. It shouldn't but, but, be. But what, no, no, when I say that it's not complex... What I mean is that you and I could have a lot in common. You know, we could be the same age. We could be, um, we could both be, we could both be men. We both be gay men. Mm -hmm. We could both be from New York. We could both be Jewish. But if you're a person of color and I'm a white person and we're walking down the street, even though we have a lot in common and we've connected, you are more likely to be a target than I am. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean when I say that, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so much complexities, but at the same time, I always think that it's important to remember that we have to find commonalities and we have to also understand that there are some people at different situations are going to be more targeted. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it did take um, centuries of um, oppression to where um, where uh, people of color are at today, um, and I don't think it's oppression that. Um, well, you know, there, there I, I didn't think there was a grand scheme or like a grand plan as to how like um, uh, white people end up in the society. You know, hundreds of. Uh, centuries from then, right? But I uh, now, as we wake up every day, we realize that oh, you know, like yeah, it, it didn't take overnight for this um, American society to happen, and um, it didn't take overnight where um, like people in the tenderloin are actually trying to save their housing, for instance, because um, 
let's just say economically um, gifted people are capable of taking the tenderloin from them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Economically gifted. I was going to say that. white people, to hey, be honest with you. Economically but like... gifted. Hey, give me some of those gifts. It's the holiday season. Come on now. You know, let's, let, let, let's not, have it here. You know, but, yeah, go ahead. Because okay, before you came in, I was talking about the level of invisibility of people of color in the LGBT community overall. Mm-hmm. You know, and Alessandra said something that really made me think too about that one. It's not invisible. A lot of times it's sexualized. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, and I think that, you know, it's, it's seeing a person of color in the LGBT as like a sex object mm. as opposed to being, hey, you know, we're we are here, people we're too. get used to it, whoever we are, whatever it is. So, in your terms of your magazine, what made you so what was, was there like a mitigating event what was the story was there something that happened that made you say okay you know what i got to have this magazine this magazine looks good i didn't even know that it was like an actual magazine magazine i mean it looks really good oh, so what so made you decide hey you know what we need to have this magazine this is important well, did something gonna, happen what's the story right well um well here's the thing i've always uh, i've had um, when, when i moved here in the states um uh, I didn't really um, see color or anything like that. I mean, of course, I expected white people and, you know, a, a very diverse um, uh, a society that I could immerse myself in. But um, eventually, um, in the process, like, growing, uh, basically, as I was growing into a more mature adult in America because I did move here when I was 23 so I was already an adult but I was still fairly young but um, in the early years of my life here in the States um, I don't know for some reason why am I having a hard time um, you know uh, pursuing my dreams and you know um, and then of course slowly but surely I was developing this sense of um, inequality and it turns out it was racial inequality, and I, I developed the internalized um, racism at some point because, you know, I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with me being of Asian descent, but all of a sudden when I came to the States, like, I almost felt like I have to work three times harder so that I could get the same job as the white man can. And um, I, if, if anyone would look at my portfolio, <laughs> I actually am really fucking good at what I do. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm in, you just told me what, when I talked to you on the phone, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, wait, there, should I say the F word? Yeah, you can. It's oh, on. I can. Yeah, yeah it's online. And I, also, I, don't, I don't curse. Like I tell people, I don't curse. I don't always agree with everything that people on the show say either. But you know what? They could say it. Well, it's freedom and of that's expression. What, well, I, I don't want to use that, it to But it's also having a discussion, you know, because it's like it's yeah. part of the conversation. If I just wanted to have a conversation with everybody who agreed with me, I could talk to myself and always be right. Right. So anyway, just <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, so yeah, and then, um, but eventually I found my way around it and knew how to protect myself. And I think what happened to me was I, you know, I, I, I realized that um, racism, whether by... Uh, a racial prejudice, whether by a person of color or a white person or me, um, I've learned that it's actually a learned experience. And before I published the magazine, I always knew yeah. that um, curbing racism in any form is can, can be learned 
or un- racism can be unlearned. That's my experience, and we can all we can all debate on whether that's true or not. Of course, it can but be. Yeah, it can be unlearned. I, I not really, everybody's going to unlearn it. I really but, think you know. so. Let's just put it this way: I w- uh, when I was trying to help myself unlearn racism, um, I started watching. Uh, porn where people of color are involved and next thing you know I'm actually that's that's one of my strategies in unlearning racism I, I started watching porn with people of color in it so I guess in so many ways um, it's fetishizing but you know for me um, next thing I know after I after I pleasured myself <laughs> with these um, paraphernalia I actually started um, dating uh, people of color and gotten to know them and you know gotten into real relationships I mean, people have different them. cultures than you yeah Got yeah it. and it's more than sex obviously at this yeah. point because now i have friendships with them and relationships and you know I'm, I'm polyamorous too so you know so that's that's another story so anyway when the mag before the magazine came out i've seen a lot of people really complain about having heartbreaks about like oh you know grinder is so racist like i can't okay tell people who are listening what grinder is so grinder is kind of like polyamorphous and what's grinder because a lot of people don't know all right so anyway grinder is like tinder for gay people okay yeah except that mostly it's gay men for yes well apparently now i'm gay bi and trans men right but it's all men okay i actually see a lot of trans women there too these days um and um that's another discussion that we can have but i'm actually happy that a lot of um uh different types of people are now exploring how grinder can go far with the uh you know the gender so it's a dating app. It's kind yeah, of it's, it's, it's a very dating hookup liquid, type yeah. of app. Yeah. Okay. But uh, my my observation is uh, definitely mostly dominated by cis ma- uh, cis male um, uh, uh, profile members. Okay. So anyway, so a lot a lot of my friends are complaining about. So that. somebody's listening. What's a cis male? Oh, cis male is somebody who is born as male. Okay. Because uh, I don't think I don't know. I mean, I know I have a lot of LGBT listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who all listens, but I know I have a lot of non-LGBT listeners and people who just want to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we have different topics. So go and ahead. Then, and then, of course, the other term that I, I think your listeners might want to know is um, the term trans male, which means that they were born female and then now they're male. Okay. Um, and of course, it goes with uh, cis women, uh, cis female, and then trans female. Well, so. I have a question. About the magazine, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is just one, one, uh, what do you call it? Episode or one? Well, it's been one, two th- issues. I, no, this is one. This is one issue. So I'm looking at. It, I mean, it's beautiful. So much of it seems to be in this one around sex. Mm, yes. So is that the theme of the whole magazine? Is that how it's always going to be? If so, tell me why. I'm interested, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's right now. It's mainly men. Is that going to be your target audience, or do you want to expand? No, we do. Uh, we have. Uh, well, so let me just finish the the first uh, thing I wanted to. Okay, say. go ahead. So basically, like uh, the magazine came out because I noticed that a lot of racism is um, rampant in dating apps. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not I've just, been reading about that, right? Uh, yeah. And I discovered this in in men's apps, like gay men's apps. Like uh, people would po- post 
stuff like uh, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, or no blacks, or anything like that, which up to this day you'll be surprised is still around. Um, you know, back in 2003, that's what I was actually used to, like people putting in, and I just know not to hit them up. So um, now, uh, like before June, um, yeah, before June, um, when I published the magazine, I thought, you know, um, I think it's time. We're in an era where um, racism is now great again in America, <laughs> you know? And we're in an era where um, all of a sudden the closet racist, racists are now out in the open and yeah. make... Yeah, you know, and yeah. it, it, uh, personally, I think they all need therapy, but, you know, it just needs to be to go back in the closet right so that's why i came out with this magazine um i came out with this magazine to um have uh people who don't know how to express themselves about race relations um to give them a, I, I came out with this magazine to give them a voice and you know since we came out with the magazine we've had um over a hundred forty thousand um actually a hundred eighty thousand now a hundred eighty thousand um online and print readers wow oh okay wait Okay, uh, for people to find out more about the magazine, what's the uh, URL? Can, yeah, please go to um, mxdmagazine.com. So MXD is like the word mixed, but without the vowels. So again, that's mxdmagazine.com. So yeah, that's how we came out with a magazine. Um, so for your second question, which is, um, is, is it always going to be sexual? Well, the thing about sexuality for me is that I, I really want to use sexuality as a strategy because there are a a lot of there were a lot of magazines in the past that um, attempted to you know uh, you know have a magazine dedicated to people of color but really played it safe in a sense that oh we're gonna make them look cute like Hello Kitty and it's like no I mean not not all Asian people need to look like Hello Kitty for us to jerk off to them you know what I'm saying like no, and then of course you know like. No, right? And then, you know, and, and then of course not all, you know, uh, Latino people need to be, you know, look like uh, a certain way, you know, like the, the way that they're used to for us to want to have sex with them. And for me so far in the magazine, I've been using sexuality in, a, in ways where people can actually see sexy in a different light. Like um, recently, um, we've featured, uh, we've been featuring a lot of, uh, on, the, on the third issue, which we're really excited about, for the first time we were featuring a trans, uh, a, a trans queer person who is uh, 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 also a person of color, which actually, you know what, why don't you just look out for the third issue coming out this month okay <laughs> but it's very different that you what than what you've seen in centerfolds when you were growing up jerking off in your socks or well, i don't okay. know about you okay now now you're you're, av you're gearing this one talking about the socks to the male population here. well of course but here's the thing so to answer your question again um yeah so um it's not always going to be up there will always be content about sexuality but um as far as the demographic is concerned as a matter of fact we've been featuring a lot of trans people in the magazine so far um especially on our third issue it's going to be uh trans heavy like there, there's going to be more um, queer um, 
uh, people featured in the third issue. But um, yeah, it's uh, we initially the first issue was intended to be a gay men's magazine or a men's yeah. magazine. And ah. Then, yes, and then um, I've oh, been okay. convinced by my board members. So like you know what, let's open it up because yeah. um, LGBTQ people, uh, women of color are just as. Uh, unrep- underrepresented. So the second issue. Yeah, more been- so sometimes. W- yes. Exactly. Am I right, Alessandra? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're being quiet. I'm thinking, yeah, so, okay, so go ahead and then tell me about like you brought Alessandra into. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the second issue. Uh, so every issue, we've been trying to be more mindful of it uh, growing into a v- truly diverse, gender diverse. Uh, uh, people of color, uh, race diverse um, uh, magazine. So yeah, we we do strive to be as diverse as we can, and um, I, I hope that answers your question. It's not geared just for men, but so okay. So now I got to ask Alessandra. So mm-hmm. now, what's your take on this? Do you think that maybe you'll be opening up some doors here to some more women coming in? To the magazine and having you know because like we have all all men or all all whatever working on something that's the you know that's the mindset no matter what you know mm-hmm. um so so you're kind of like crashing that mindset yeah so um i was definitely hoping i could bring more women in because the um the more our our lgbtq uh people of color magazine represents the more people it represents the more audiences it reaches and the more it encapsulates how important our solidarity is within the community and like the more women we have the more uh voices are in the magazine and that's why i was hoping it would be good to bring uh more women in and you were talking about mental health issues and people of color earlier so do you see that that might be something that you might talk about in your magazine oh definitely Mm -hmm. well the thing is like a lot of um a lot of how people you know stereotypes are there for a reason and there is a lot of commonality among people of uh, you know, like certain cultures and certain races. And uh, the reason for that is because um, something happened, right? So a lot of us need to deal with mental health issues before we can deal with bigger issues like racism yeah. and economic economic yeah. and racial disparities. Because if we don't, a lot, a lot of people of color, um, well, you know, we need, we need, therapy well yeah well do, i mean do, 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 but and and there's actually more of a push now do you ever watch the breakfast club with Charlemagne? Mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. oh cool so you know From like the 80s so so but Charlotte Charlemagne and dj envy and they've had other people on who, who are talking about mental health issues and in, in in communities of color mm-hmm. and actually they had you know who takashi is no. Takashi 69. Well, he's going down. He's probably he might be going to prison. I don't know. Mm. He's a rapper, but he's 22. He's like one of the most successful rappers of his of this particular time right now, but he's in prison. He's in jail right now. He's in prison right now. I don't know what's going to happen. And he he's a man obviously in need of therapy. And um they were talking to him about therapy and it, so I think that we're seeing more in some of the, like the mainstream media of, you know, with people of color. Uh, more even like in, in hip-hop culture, we're seeing more conversations. The conversations are coming out in the open about mental health issues and the need for, for help. And I know in the LGBT community, 
there was a, a shortage of, and I don't know about now, mm-hmm. but because I think that things are changing, but there was a shortage of, of people of color who were therapists mm-hmm. within the LGBT peop- um, communities of color. Mm-hmm. Is that still the same or? Well, you know, my experience with therapists growing. so far, because I, I, I do go to therapy. I believe, in th- I go to therapy too. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, my experience with it are mostly white, but I've had a few um, therapists who are also people of color, but I, I don't quite know what the numbers are on paper as far as that's concerned. But um, I, I do know that there is a shortage of mental health um, resources, period. Yeah. Oh, you know, because I mean, you know, like, for instance, like, uh, you know, for somebody who runs a nonprofit media organization, for instance, um, you know, I, I, I could use all the uh, public access uh, health resources out there. And, you know, I, I have to fall in line. Yeah. And I have to wait for months, even, uh, even up to a year just to get the help that I need. So, I don't know about the shortage of people of color, uh, mental health care providers, but I do know that they're from experience that we do have a shortage of mental health care practitioners, period. Yeah. Or resources. Alessandra, you look, you look like you wanted to say something. Oh, um, I definitely uh, wanted to talk about what you said uh, about, because I think definitely uh, in the in terms of the mental health community, even though there aren't necessarily as many practitioners, and eventually there eventually will be as society continues to progress and uh, people continue to be educated about uh, issues about racism and uh, LGBTQ um uh, minorities and stuff, but um, I, I definitely have seen a lot more uh, art, art, artistic uh, pull in the LGBTQ community. Like what you were saying about um, there's kind of like this new form of rap which talks about mental health with like Juice World and Lil Peep and other uh, artists like that. Oh, Lil Peep was a very sad thing though because it was very sad. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. The definitely uh it shows they talk about mental health issues and when it's not talked about it was never really talked about before, especially in the um rap community, but since more people of color are introduced to it, it's like more uh addressed and more thought about and um uh, if I think when art forms uh, depict mental health, and that's kind of what I was hoping to do when I captured youth voices in the magazine, is, what is hopefully capturing uh, voices about mental health, because uh, in LGBTQ communities and race and uh, people of color, um, definitely there's a, a big pool for um, what uh, they can do or what uh, what mental health can do for their community mm-hmm. and what uh, mental health can, and how mental health can be educated even to white people by the uh, people of color community because they have experienced more oppression and and I always felt that every LGBTQ person needs therapy and I don't mean they need therapy because they ha- there's issues of mental illness but just to be able to cope mm-hmm. with being an LGBTQ person growing up. I mean, I know it's gotten in a lot of areas, like in our area, it's gotten a lot better than, you know, when I first came here. Um, and But in a lot of areas, it hasn't gotten better. And people develop internalized homophobia where, you know, you start having, and I, I mean, I know young, I know some young people who I know who I think, man, you know, they have more self-esteem than I ever had in my whole life because of how they were raised. 
and they didn't have a lot of the internalized homophobia that say somebody like I did but I also know a lot of young people who maybe aren't raised like in Berkeley or San Francisco and some kind of like hip area who still have to deal with those issues of internalized homophobia. And when you have internalized oppression, it starts coming out in different ways, am I right? Mm -hmm. In your relationships. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think the reason why a lot of people still do not um, have mental issues, whether they have it or not, the person they care about have it, um, the reason why they haven't really addressed it is because there's still this stigma that if you have mental health issues, then you're crazy. And the, um, the craziest thing to do around um, dealing with mental health issues is to actually label it, label it a certain, you know, as crazy. And the thing about mental health issue is that if it, it, it's like cancer. Like, you know, we, we treat people with cancer... Um, or uh, chronic illnesses um, with love and with That's compassion, right. right? And a lot of people with mental health issues who are just as sick as somebody with cancer, quite frankly, in my opinion, um, you know, the, the problem that we have is we, we we treat them like crazy people, like like they have no value or anything like that. And the truth is we really should be treating them with love and understanding and compassion. So, uh, yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of stigma around it. That's the reason why nobody... That's the reason why people are afraid to even admit that they even have a problem or a mental health issue. And for me, as somebody um, uh, in recovery, for instance, um, you know, I... You know, I the first step is always admitting that I have a problem, and because because if I don't, then I wouldn't know that um, I should find a solution. You know, and um, you know, for me, therapy is definitely, especially for mental health therapy. You know, is definitely one that def- that helped me get to a point where I could publish this magazine and actually live my life and live my dream and have the friends that I have today. You know, and you know. Yeah, I used to go around, I used to work for an an employee assistance program, and I used to do their training. And I would um, go around to different employee groups, and I would talk about the the counseling that they had, just counseling. And I told people, I said, look, you know, I I said, if you're a diabetic, you're going to go get insulin. If you have Mm -hmm. cancer, you're going to go get treatment. I said, I don't, I said, if I have a problem... I really don't have time to wait for six months for it to go away. Mm. I said, I'm going to go see an expert because I want it to go away within weeks if I can Mm. or shorten the time. I just don't have that kind of time. And I tell people, you know, if you have issues and you think that, you know, you don't want to go to therapy because of the stigma, but if you've got that kind of time, hey, cool. I said, I don't have that kind of time. I want to talk to an expert. I don't try to take out my own appendix, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think... Uh, what going along with that definitely is joining if you don't have the time to do that is joining uh, support groups because the cool thing for LGBTQ youth that we now have social media is like when I was still in the closet I was like I can't tell anyone I'm gay and then um, as I uh, came as I before I came out I had like there are like little LGBTQ pages on Instagram or on Twitter and you can like tweet things and follow people and make accounts so uh, if you definitely 
don't have the time or money and you're a, a people of color, LGBTQ youth, like um, mm-hmm. definitely looking for online forums that are yeah. healthy or that just not feeling alone. Because when you're not alone, the internalized homophobia goes away. Because something I experienced when I was uh, definitely growing up was there's this thing called compulsory heterosexuality. And that's uh, when uh, LGBTQ youth feel the need to come out to uh, say come out as straight in order to um, fit into society maybe even like try to convince themselves that they're not gay because they dated someone who was yeah. uh, cis or like of a different uh, quote unquote gender um, so I think that's definitely uh, finding people that make you not feel alone. And uh, when you fi- try to find an expert, because it's hard to reach out for therapy, there's always school therapists or mental health workers you can chat with online. And there's the suicide hotline. So uh, there, it's 1-800, I believe it's one 800 273 talk right is that what the number is yeah so if i don't know, I have to look i have to look at my old logic um side you know because he did that a song yeah so <laughs> that's definitely what i think uh would be have a jingle for magazine yeah 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 so, for so people could remember it yeah so go ahead so go ahead so you're talking about we talk about the, the need for support groups or to join something I think that's really important, especially because a lot of times people don't have access to mental health therapists or mental health help, or or they only get to see somebody once every two months or whatever. Because mm-hmm. you know we have such a a lack. I mean, we could spend a lot more money on bombs, a lot more money on building a wall. Yeah, you know. But see, the thing is, like, you know, the good thing about our community here in San Francisco Bay Area is that we know how to take care of ourselves. I mean, of course, we could. We could get the help, all the help that we can federally, but you know, we're, uh, the reason I live here is because I'm I'm in the right place. Like we're in a place where we take care of each other. I don't know how far the magazine is gonna go personally, but here in the Bay Area, um, the ma- the the magazine is dedicated for for us, you know. And of course, if it goes out of state or if it goes out of our area, then and people discover about us, that's great. If they get inspired by it, that's great. But yeah, you know, um the magazine is intended for us to have an avenue where we could have a safe discussion like your TV uh, like your radio show. You know, like uh, I I want to provide a media avenue, a, a media where we could all have uh, recorded discussion on um, how can we curb um, racial inequality and you know what middle ground can we find because there's you know people fight racism in different ways but at the end you know like we can all disagree on on the semantics of it or on how we approach things or we can all disagree on the role of white people um, in racial equality and you know how far can they go with us or should we leave them alone but at the end of the day I think we can all agree that you know racial uh, racism has no place in the future of American society especially in the LGBTQ community so yeah that's we're we're in the right business and the right society for it to actually take care of ourselves with uh certain media well I I'm looking at the time and I know it's almost time to to close the show 
Mm-hmm. But there's so many more things. I have so many more questions that I would really love to ask both of you. So I'm hoping that you're going to come back. Of course, yeah, for sure. Um, I just I, I want to ask a question for both of you. When was the first time you had any contact with another person of color who was not from your group? Um. Well, definitely. Um, well, in the Philippines, we do have. Uh, uh, different um ethnicities right there there's uh there's the um uh malays and then there's the um, indigenous and then there's um actually black asians yeah and uh so that was my first um uh uh encounter with other people who are different than me ethnically but um i think the thing about the philippines though is that um we're more of an elitist classist uh nation rather than racist so um here in the states though um my first encounter with other people of color definitely happened in day one when i was as a 23 year old I was hooking up on what used to be called <laughs> gay.com and uh, and dial up by the way it's like that's where, you right. know, like that's when you right. ask for somebody for a face picture it take, it's expected that it should take about 30 minutes yeah right right like pixel by pixel line by line it's like watching a person uncover like line by line <laughs> that's cute thank you but yeah you know and then um, so that was my first encounter with them I did have have um, uh, preconceived notions on how I should deal with them, whether I should meet a certain group or not. But um, I, I should say that when I came in, I really didn't, I wasn't afraid of meeting other people of color until I met white people who actually exp- told me what their impressions of other people of color were. And that's when I started having my own prejudice. So that was my first experience with them. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, Alessandra, what about you? Uh, yeah, when I was growing up, I yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Pacifica. It's like a world away from San Francisco in a way, but it's like a pretty beach town. Like if you w- drive by, like it's just you see the beautiful ocean. But um, as I was growing up, there weren't that many people of color in my class, and I've had people like I remember some white kid when I was in elementary school tell me he's like, "Ugh, you're ugly because you're Asian," and I was like, "Oh, okay." And that really offended me. But uh, I I think there was one African-American student in my grade, and uh, she was really intelligent. So that definitely, like, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the uh, stereotypes yet. So I always perceived, like, uh, just all kids as, like, all nice kids as intelligent. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really grow up with the prejudice yet. Mm -hmm. Well, Thank you so much. I want to thank both of you so much for being on the show. I really want you to come back again because I really want to have more of a conversation. This has been great. Um, I really got enlightened, you know. Um, I think the magazine looks great. And URL for the magazine is? mxdmagazine.com. And if people want to get in touch with you, they do what? Just go to mxdmagazine.com. And they want to, but if they want to get in touch oh, with yeah, you, yeah. My, pal. Uh, they meet, uh, yeah. So if you want to um, figure out how you um, can be a contributor, um, whether as a writer or a photographer or an artist, or even make donations, um, feel free to um, email me at publisher at mxdmagazine.com. 
Okay, and Alessandra, people want to get in touch with you. What do they do? Uh, they can find my Facebook, uh, Ali Stevens, and um, I also uh, just, uh, you could contact MXD Magazine and I'll be able to mm-hmm. talk. That's awesome. Okay, and you have any last minute um last word yes last words <laughs> well you know um mxd magazine um is a magazine for lgbtq uh people of color and allies and the last thing i want to say is while we have uh, oh anyway um Oh, am I? Okay. So, yeah. um, So, while we're actually having a steady um, growth in readership, um, we need more um, financial support more than ever. So, um, we kind of, um, uh, we we do um, operate like PBS or NPR or other, um, uh, uh, you know, public access media. But, um, yeah, um, we, we survive. Uh, through donors and readers like you and other um, community partners. So if you could make a donation, that would be awesome. Um, you can go to mxdmagazine.com slash donate or you can give me a call for more information at 415-832-9085. Okay, great. Thank you so much. This has been... Oh, and I just want to say to people, if you haven't heard it yet, you got to listen to Ice Cube's new CD, Everything's corrupt. I think you'll love it. It's really topical. It's socially conscious. It deals with issues around racism, around drugs, mm-hmm. politics. It's a it's 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 a great album. Everything's corrupt by Ice Cube. Anyway, uh, this is Sima Lieberman, the inclusionist, with everyday conversations on race with every for everyday people. If you enjoyed what you heard today, then. Please go to www.raceconvo, C-O-N-V-O, like conversation, raceconvo.com, and download some more episodes. And if you really like what you heard and you want us to keep growing, then please share www.raceconvo.com or download on iTunes with Everybody that you know, because we want to blow this up. We want, we want, we want. Not, we don't want to blow it up, but I mean, we want to <laughs> blow the idea of bringing people together across race or cross race conversations. And if you really want to help us sustain, because we do this show based on donations, then please go to www.raceconvo.com and make a small donation. No donation is too small, and no donation is too big too. So, Simba Lieberman. The Inclusionist, Everyday Conversations for Everyday People, signing off until, until, scroll. until next time. Roll. We will put, the, put your music, put the other music up on the CD. On the CD. Okay, so now, no, Submixer, you got it, I said the CD. Okay.
avons vu en tout jeu. Save your life. Tonight. That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice Not a criminal, No, I'm a seminal yeah. I was free once, now I'm clinical Crazy. You so technical, this was Mexico Now everywhere I go is owned by Texaco Fuck them, Fuck them and the rest Hell of you yeah. I turn a fruit into a vegetable I'ma roll with the aliens Man, fuck these homo sapiens They don't really wanna make friends All they want is a Mercedes Benz All they want is they dividends and decibels Fuck these citizens They'll treat us like hooligans Throw him in, they don't care what school he in These people don't play fair It ain't even fair at the state fair Give a young nigga gray hair That's why I'm here Make your ass lay there Punk, you better stay there Close your fucking eyes like it's daycare 
myself clearer than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so septic, so full of shit. I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I reside on the west side. I murder with my third eye. Nigga so fly, get a bird's eye. I make him scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. Run in and turn the lights out. Man, they treat it like a trap house. Yeah. These motherfuckers never take the trash out. Damn. They just cash out and mash out. Nigga, take your drugs and pass out. Niggas love to go that fast route. Yeah. I see you when your black ass get out. Homie, you play too much. Yeah. Why these devils, they doing way too much. Most of them won't say too much. Why they steady planning? God knows what. That's why I roll with the real ones, real ones, trying to reach millions, real ones, trying to make billions, real ones, dressed like civilians. Arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president, you got the evidence, arrest the president, arrest the president, arrest the president. on a raft without a patter. We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. 
meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento honestly is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls, trivia on Mondays, taco Tuesdays, first Wednesday live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties, the food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill.
Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't know anything about it, sorry. <laughs> All so, on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes, oh you already said T- that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> 
Friday night. Mutiny Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF.
is Sima Lieberman blah, with blah blah blah. blah, blah. Exactly. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders, 
and board games all over the walls, trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties, the food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Yeah. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. 
And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes. And there'll be plenty of dick jokes. So don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah. I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. <laughs> don't know anything about it. Sorry. All so, on my limited view. Yes. Every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. And Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes. Oh, you already said T- that. Tune in radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God. There's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your review. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> 